listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello, and welcome back to On the Couch with Carly. I am Carly, and I have Zakia Patel in studio. I'm so excited. This is probably the most exciting guest that I've had, the fabulous Zakia Patel. Um, she is a very well-known actress in South Africa. She won Strictly Come Dancing in 2013. My mom was obsessed with her. <laughs> um, and now she is living in LA and is just briefly in Cape Town. And I have grabbed her to have her on the podcast because she's been doing so much inspiring work. I think it's work, work, self-work um, that I've noticed on social media. Um, I follow on Instagram. And um, one of the things I've noticed after you transitioned to LA was that the things you were talking about online were super interesting around body image and body positivity, sex positivity, just reclaiming sort of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be in a womanly body, um, and a whole lot of other things. But specifically today, our discussion is going to focus around body image, body shame, and the absolute fuckery that our mm. culture has dished <laughs> on, on us uh, and, and how we're constantly dealing with this. And, you know, we can read and read and read and read and read, but it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge. So today I want to talk to you about all of that, like, Share with us how has moving to LA, like how, how did that become, like how did that inspire you to start looking at body image? Like I'm sure as an actress, body image is such a much more heated topic than for all of us. Like it's a big thing. You, you are, your, your body's a product essentially. So tell me how you got, got into that whole world of seeing it as something to think about differently and how do you see it differently now? Moving to LA, um, what I wanted to do mainly um, was learn um, and to grow. Uh, I hate the word, those self-help books. I, I like to look at them as self-growth. But going there, I realized in South Africa, I've been very, very conservative in putting my view out onto social media. I've always just been, you know, the picture perfect this and the sweet that and the, and very, very candy coated and not not authentic. And what I wanted to do when I was overseas was be authentic. Um, my authentic self, rather, not a version of authenticity. And when I moved, we moved in the middle of Black Lives Matter, and there was a lot of uh, discussion around it, and social media was full of it. And where I'm massively supportive of the movement, it wasn't something I wanted to necessarily speak up about. Um, I obviously posted stuff uh, in aid of, raising funds, bringing awareness to it. But when things around body image used to come up in all sorts of avenues, that is what piqued my interest. Um, and mainly because I have had such a tumultuous relationship with my own body. And being an actress, you are constantly in the public eye and under scrutiny. And the fact of the matter is the camera does add 10 pounds and... I, in South Africa, at least once a week, someone would come up to me and be like, oh, Zakia, it's so nice to meet you. And they'd be like, oh, you've lost so much weight. And I'm like, no, I'm just 
no, this is just how I am. And like, no, really? You're not so fat so anymore? And I'm like, I'm just fat on TV. <laughs> That's like a line I've just given away and I laugh about it. But it it whittles you down when strangers have so much access to your body and the and and their opinion of you. They can just throw it at you. Um and that is what comes with being in the public eye. So moving to America, I working towards being my more authentic self and finding something that I am really passionate about um, in the sphere, I guess, of activism and learning, I started telling my, speaking my truth on social media. And that for me was so scary uh, because I don't tell people how, I'll use the word loosely, crazy I am in my head about food, about weight, about fitness, about body image, about how people perceive me. And that is where the journey began. It began with one post. Actually, it began on TikTok. I fell in love with TikTok. I'm addicted to TikTok. <laughs> and I, you know, after you get through the dances and the amazing LGBTQI plus community and, 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 then you start clicking on stuff that you love and you, the algorithm starts sending you more of it. And a lot of it was around food and a lot of it was around shrinking my body. But then a lot of it was about accepting my body. And I literally watched a 15-second TikTok where this um, amazing dietitian, she's not a dietitian, that's a horrible word for her, uh, she is a intuitive eating coach, um, said that, she just explained the binge diet cycle, and in 15 seconds, uh, let's say 22 years of trauma was just condensed into 15 seconds, and I was like, oh, I understand it. I understand what I've been doing to myself, what society's been doing to me, um, how I have been shaped by the images I see, the people I speak to, the way the media portrays ideas of beauty. And then I was like, now I have to talk. Now I have to teach and I have to talk. Can you do that for us though? Can you give us that little brief explanation of what that binge um, eating cycle looks like or feels like? Or how did explain that a little bit? What did, what did, what did she say? So... The idea around the binge diet cycle is that you restrict yourself so much, that's the diet cycle, and you restrict and you restrict and you tell your brain you can't have, you can't have, you can't have. And then your um, determination, your willpower, I hate that word, um, comes crashing down whether you are emotional, tired, stressed. Um, you just feel like something sweet. And in that moment, you're like, oh my gosh, well, I had a piece of chocolate I'm just going to have the whole slab. And now that I have the whole slab, I'm going to have ice cream and I'm going to have, I'm going to literally put everything I'm, I've deprived myself of in my body at an alarming rate. Um, and it's going to be fine because tomorrow I'll start again. And sometimes the binge cycle lasts for days or weeks or months because you're like, I'm never going to be able to have it again. And in those 15 seconds, she just explained that when you stop restricting yourself, mentally and physically, that need to binge just doesn't exist. So I just got like a key to the lock that has been, I've been banging my head on the store for years um, because the diet industry tells you you're an emotional eater. And I, I look at food and I'm not, I'm not soothing with food. I don't need to soothe, soothe with food. That's not how I deal with emotions or stress or anything like that. Not often. I can very clearly nowadays, very consciously see if I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling well and I just want a chocolate. And that is fine with me nowadays. 
but there is, in the past, I was like, what is wrong with me? Is this, you know, uh, inherited trauma? Is this all these, all these buzzwords that diet culture likes to throw to bamboozle you when it's literally just the binge diet cycle is created by the diet industry because if diets worked, there would never have to be another diet again. 95% of diets fail and people don't know that. Yeah. Okay, so so that so that's really interesting, and also for me, like listening to it from a psychological perspective. I mean, I know working with people who've got eating disorders that there is a big link between um, how our relationship with food and emotional regulation. So, what happens if you're restricting and binging is you're actually not in a regulated state ever. You're never actually having a mindful experience while you're eating or while you're, um, yeah, even even just thinking about like being being in a in a non-mindful state or in a in a frenzied state whether it's restriction or or binging it's also like your your actual thinking goes offline so you're not um you're not actually in tune with yourself you're not aware of what you're feeling you're not aware of what's happening for you and so i know for a lot of people with eating disorders it is actually an inability to digest emotions that then gets manifested in eating issues. Um, so being able to then regulate yourself so that you can just have mindful experiences with food will probably, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, has it affected your emotions as well? Like would you, would, would you say that you can see there's an impact on your mood or on mood stability for you? Uh, if I'm in a binge diet cycle, or no, so the like food sh- so shifting now from being in, from that from that binging restricting cycle to being more sort of allowing and and sort of not restricting, being more I would say like medium, you know, just kind of moderate is probably a better word. Would you say that that affected like has it affected your mood as at all as at all or oh one hundred percent? I mean, so coming out of a sort of blind binge uh, mentality, um, I would also move to a very, very, very hyper-conscious reality of food. So, for example, if I was going to eat these amazing biscuits or cookies that I love uh, in America, I would close the door, like, make sure no one was bothering me, be silent, make sure the room was not a mess, and, like, enjoy for however long it took I would cut my cookie into a million little pieces and I'd enjoy every bite. And then I would use it as a meditation. If my mind wandered, I'd be like, no, come back. Come back to this feeling. And I was like, I don't want to exist like that either. So there was like that extreme of being like, you're not going to mindlessly eat junk. You're going to enjoy it when you do eat it and then you know you don't need more. But that was just a w- another trick I was trying to tell myself of, if you are conscious, then it will be fine. But I am having a great experience at the moment, and it shifts. I mean, sometimes it is incredible. I can, I'll eat when I'm hungry. I regulate myself. I don't feel guilt and shame around food in my body. And then the next day, it could be anything. Uh, and I literally just wake up one day and I'm like, right, uh, weigh myself three liters of water, uh, gram for gram on the scale, um, exercise for three hours, two sessions in the morning, one in the evening. Um, exhausting, I could, and it just it swings. And I mean, mm. it. I, I feel like I got the key, um, but it doesn't stop the old behaviors from coming out sometimes. And in those moments, like, would you say it's in 
moments of vulnerability or like if you may be triggered by something, like can you identify whether those sort of habit, when you're falling back on those habits, is it from something that's happened in your environment or inside of yourself? It's interesting. I have a very, very keen need to control things. So it could be when I'm just feeling super powerful and I'm like, I can control everything. So I actually can do this diet thing. I can do this lifestyle change. I can totally do it now because I'm feeling powerful and amazing and ready. And, you know, and it it is very interesting to see because it's not just it doesn't just happen in a you know a moment of weakness. It happens in moments of strength. And I'm like, I'm strong. I can finally do this thing that only 5% in the world have ever managed to do. <laughs> interesting. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. I just want to circle back to something. So for me, what you said right at the beginning about Black Lives Matter feels so significant. I just wanted to just circle back to that mm. and talk about that a little bit. Because essentially what you're saying is you feel found a version of activism for yourself. 100%, yeah. and, and that was on social media, kind of sharing something, but also just being a woman, a person of color who is allowing herself to be her authentic self is potentially an act, an act of activism. No, completely. Uh, when I was little growing up out of apartheid, uh, my sister and I were the some of the only girls of color in our all-white private Catholic school in Durban. And my sister and I talk about a lot of the things that happened to us. uh, And they are never malicious, but it's all like micro, micro, micro aggressions. Mm. You know, growing up in a brown body is never in a, especially a white school, out of apartheid, you know, you're taught and not just taught, shown, felt uh, that you are not good enough in any shape or form. Uh, your uh, hair is greasy if it's straight. Your hair is too curly if it's curly. You're uh, dark, so you better stay out the sun and your family will tell you to stay out the sun. You better line your lips on the inside because God forbid there's any ethnicity in you. You straighten your hair, you lighten your skin. Um, and this is just the Eurocentric uh, standard of beauty and it's been passed down from generation to generation and people of color have it in their bodies, you know. That's why skin lighting, lightening is so big in Asia. Uh, so growing up out of apartheid, and you're this little girl and you're told you're not beautiful, uh, you start like squashing yourself. You start hiding yourself. You start staying out of the sun. And I was thinking, you stop eating curry sandwiches. Um, so being brown, and I, I don't want to sound like a victim in any shape or form, because uh, I don't think that's the case. There is just a lot of, conditioning that comes with it that makes accepting your differences incredibly hard um and for years people will so many people to this day will be like no just do more cardio like you can be skinny like all the like white eurocentric models you can no just dye your hair blonde and just eat less you know just eat less um, eating less is not going to change the shape of my my bum and my body and my chest and my calves, which are very shapely and go against the grain of what the ideal of beauty is. Mm. Um, and this form of activism, just speaking up about it, I have had uh, quite a bit of backlash from family and friends, and they, and not in a not in a what are you doing kind of way, just in a um, why do you have to talk about stuff that's so like ugly kind of way. Why do you have to put that 
on show. You know, you know your your social media used to be so happy. You know, why can't you just be happy again? Like it's you know we don't need to. No one wants to hear all this like oh this heartache blue 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 stuff. Um, and I don't see it like that. I see it as a celebration. I see it as a celebration of bodies, um, all types of bodies coming out and navigating the space of shame that did exist and now talking about it. And I think that's so freeing and empowering. And the most incredible part of it is that on social media, so many people will be like, that's my experience. That's how I feel. Mm. Uh, I've never had someone vocalize it. I haven't been able to identify with that. And that's something that's so interesting in America is Americans get onto an idea and they go with it incredibly quickly. And the body positivity movement has been it's like a storm. But South Africa hasn't seen that. What And what I'm finding so strange is South Africa is a nation of di- incredibly diverse people from all over the world. Our average body is curvaceous, brown, uh, natural hair, uh, kinky coils. But we're still being advertised to with the standard of beauty that is unattainable, bullshit, and literally stealing our money, our joy, our careers are and our potential mm. preach sister <laughs> um so how did you start your sort of un unlearning re-education process like where did you begin and what yeah give us some give I us some began info. on social media mm. can you believe it <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with unfollowing the people that made me feel sad, miserable, ugly, fat, poor, uh, not successful on social media and then following people who made, who I could identify with, who I could see myself in, who I felt drawn to and literally something so small. It's actually not that small. We spend so much time on social media feeding our brains with these images and ideas that it's not small. It's a space of of huge learning growth or damage depending mm. on how you you use the, the platforms. And I follow... Uh, a few people who really gave me a lot of amazing literature is Matt McGorry. He was on uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. He was this incredible, you know, six-pack heartthrob bodybuilder. And when his body changed and he couldn't keep up with Hollywood standards, he started doing a lot of reading and talking and learning himself. Um, and I actually met him at the Golden Globes and he was he was so cute at the Golden Globes. <laughs> and we had like such a sweet moment and I was like, oh, I should have stayed and talked to him more. Anyway, um, follow him on social media and he, um, I've read his entire uh, book list now, including things like uh, Fearing the Black Body, um, The Body's Not an Apology, uh, The Beauty Myth, uh, Body Positive. I'm going to read this list because I need everyone to know these things. She takes out her iPad. I take my iPad out. I've got <laughs> notes. She has come prepared for come this. Prepared. Oh, and Jamila Jamil's podcast. Oh, I love her. I love Absolutely her. incredible. Yeah. Um, Body Positive Power by Megan Jane Crab. Anti-Diet, uh, Body Respect by Linda Bacon and Lucy Aframor. Aframor? Yeah. But I don't know. Let's see about that one. Um, and that... I love to read and listen to Audible. And now in America, I do everything myself, like my own washing and cleaning. What a spoiled brat I was. <laughs> and now, I, so I just consume so much information via Audible just in my head. Uh, but what I've actually started doing is buying the book and listening. And then I okay. go back to the book and I take notes and I read and I learn. And then I tell everyone I know what I've learned. <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, please shut up. <laughs> Not all the time, but so 
sometimes. Uh, my mom has been really incredible on this particular journey. Um, I've set up some boundaries with my family in terms of weight and talking about weight. And she will start saying something and be like, oh, oh, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Uh-huh. And it's very sweet that she's got a, she's got like a, an alarm that goes off in her mm. head saying that's not okay to talk, to say or talk about mm. with my daughter who wants to have these boundaries. And Amazing. we, she was reading my niece a book the other day and she came up to me and she's like, do you know that uh, the ugly duckling is a terrible story? <laughs> it's like only once the duckling was beautiful, was it valuable? She's like, I'm never reading that to Dharma again. I thought it was so sweet. I was like, go, mommy, go. <laughs> that is really cool. And I love that you talk about boundaries because I think, I mean, the unfollowing of the social media already, that's like the start of boundaries, right? It's the start of working out what is good for me. And I mean, that it's, I preach about this all the time. This is this is my jam, you know, that that we have to start, that that anything we do that is any, has anything to do with self-growth has to start with understanding who we are, what we, what we need, and, and how to say yes and no to what, you know, say no to what doesn't serve us. So to not follow those people that are actually toxic for us on our feeds is such a an important one. I think we we don't do it, but we it's it's something I think so many people have said it. But it, do you actually do it? So if you're listening to this right now, do it now. Do it. Do it. <laughs> just consciously do it as you go through any of your feeds, whatever you're on. You know, just if there's anything that crops up that goes, no, this feels shameful, or this makes me feel ugly inside, or this makes me feel not good enough, or I'm comparing myself to this and I feel less than. Just don't follow it. You don't and if need it's to. a friend. And you don't want to offend them with an unfollow. Just, just mute, mute them. Yeah. Just mute their posts. Mute their stories. Yeah. It is absolutely okay to choose you over and overseeing that kind of content. Right. And because it's no one person's fault, no. right? Because we all are also guilty of perpetuating this shit as well. Um, so you know, it's not that person who is abusing you or bullying you exactly. by by having that presence. They're just a trigger. Yeah, and they're also just a pawn of the of of, of the culture. They're yeah. just they're just a part of a cog in a big machine, you know. And unfortunately, all of us are to some degree. And as we unlearn, we have to we we do maybe grow in some kind of kind of autonomy and independence from the from the system. Um, but until such time, we're going to also be possibly perpetuating it. And yeah, I mean, we still do, right? We still will find ourselves. So this is this is a big question. So you've read all those books. I'm really impressed that you read all those books. I wish you could just like give me a, like a one like yeah like a one line take take out message from each one of them. But I'm not going to ask you to do that. What I want to know is you've read all the books. You're vocal about it on your social media. You've kind of broken boundaries as well in terms of like your image as a celebrity in South Africa and having like I mean it's it, you're also a product as. As a person who is who's known for you know, like you like you said, the sugar coated candy mm. cute version of yourself, um, but you pushed through that and changed and changed that by talking about these things that you, and you've got some backlash. So you're putting yourself out there. You read the books, and then like you said, some days you will kind of just return to you revert right mm. to these toxic systems because they're in us it's like I mean it's for me it's like racism you know it's like I know that my anti-racist journey is like a long forever one because I know just as much as every day I'm learning about how to be anti-racist I know that every day things are coming up inside of me from my deep conditioning around race and and supremacy and and trying to challenge that so I know it's never going to stop just like I I believe 
this body image, body shaming stuff is never going to stop. So tell me about that. Like, tell me, is there, is there like, are there ways that you manage that? Are there systems that you've learned that work for how to like, just deal with it when it comes up again? And tell, just walk me through that process. So in the education process, I came across a few really, really interesting facts. One of them is that a lot of the facts we hear about weight and obesity are pure fabrication, but they've been repeated to us so many times that we take it as fact. And there is a war on obesity. It has been described um, akin to something akin to terrorism, uh, what what obesity is doing uh, to the world and to nations. But there is a statistic that says 400,000 somewhere around there, people die in America every year of obesity. And this number gets thrown and repeated in all sorts of studies, in all sorts of articles. But then they redid the study properly controlling for all sorts of things. And the statistic was 26,000 people die of obesity and 34,000 die of starvation and undereating, but related to eating disorders. Mm. But no one's like writing massive headlines about that. Mm. So the first thing that helps is an education around that, um, that there is a problem. There's a systemic problem of the way uh, weight um, is correlated with value. Mm. And another thing is that health, there's a, the correlation is between health and fitness, not health and fatness. Um, mm. And things like the BMI, and that is so ridiculously rooted in money and financial gain and profit mm. uh, from insurance agencies to mm. the, the diet industry. All of them have a vested interest in having those stupid numbers made by a, I think he was a, an astrologist, not an astrologist. <laughs> yeah, you're right, um, like an astronomer. Yeah, an astronomer, um, scientist, nothing to do with, um, absolutely nothing to do with medicine. And insurance companies are like, oh, wait, we can make more money if we make this the standard. And the BMI is actually also uh, based on white men. Yes. That's what that's what everyone's story is. And we all know white men don't have any ass. And they have no <laughs> ass. It's so, it's, I mean, and also, the, I have such a bone to pick with <laughs> medical aids because they do those health and fitness tests and they do like the calipers with the fat on you, but they'll only do your upper body. And women naturally have more upper body softness than men, but they won't do the bottom. But they So they're only gauging for 50% and generally probably the fattest or chubbiest, whatever, roundest part of a woman. And that way they just get to make sure their premiums go up. You don't get all the benefits you're supposed to get. Anyway, moving on from them. Yeah, so BMI, we need to really understand that that is a toxic concept that was developed. In, it's an inappropriate measure. Let me read you a little squidge of it. You read us. He was a mathematician and statistician, nothing to do with medicine. Um, and, oh, uh, his work was used to justify scientific racism for decades to come and is one of the founding principles in what is now called eugenics. Like, you have to know how racist this particular thing is and how it's actually been used as a system of oppression financially, medically, in all sorts of ways. Yeah. So moving on from that, uh, educating myself has really, really helped. Um with dealing with the sort of body shaming. Also, it's so, I hate it when people just make this, tell you a problem and they don't tell you how to fix it. How can you fix it? So, uh, so educating myself is one way of fixing it. 
Another thing that really, really helps me when it comes to body shaming and body image is putting my money where I want to support. Because I can talk personally about this until I'm blue in the face, but if I'm consistently and constantly buying products that will that promise to make me younger and going on all these diets, then I'm just perpetuating the culture and giving people more money for more advertising, for more oppression. So big things I think I can do and we can do is if you disagree with the culture, then you need to use the tools you have. And I think one of the big tools and the only tools I feel like I actually have besides my platform is my money. Um, but I'm one person who's going to stop buying a big brand. Um, and you can't make other people stop buying big brands. I mean, it's always amazing when you see this cream that's going to make you look younger forever, especially when you're an actress. But what does, what can also help is community. So moving into community with women. I mean, if you read and you really should Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth. She speaks about the fact that a part of the myth is that women should be in competition with other women. You know, so you are immediately alienated. You're immediately taken away from uh, community. You're immediately taken away from information, which is so interesting because you see men are, this is just a general observation and can be a bit of a stereotype. Men are in country clubs and they're boys clubs and they're, you know, teaching each other about finance and educating each other. And uh, it's a lot of growth and camaraderie and um, what is the word when someone is apprenticeship sort of. Men, older men teach younger men, but older women are taught to uh, be disgusted by younger women and they are going to steal your man and they're going to do mm. all sorts of things. And old women are relegated to, you know, the crone, the hack, the hag. Um, these are all society's ideas of, of, of women and that definitely affects how we interact with each other. So what I think is women, people, anyone dealing with body image needs to be in community and to create different images. I mean, not everyone is a an artist and a creator and a podcaster. But as I said, do it with your money. If there's a play that you love and the leads do not look a certain way, but you love that and you want to see more of that, go support it. Go support it with your money. Ask all your friends to come with you and go see that play. Uh, when you're reading books, um, read books with characters of people of color. You know, try a different author instead of having the same reading the same author all the time, try someone from Asia, someone from Africa, someone from Istanbul, who knows? Just move in different spaces and spend your money in different ways that are um, growing yourself and taking away from the big nasty diet industry that is actually just taking so much, pe so much of people's time and money, um, especially, I'm going to say especially women, but it has definitely leaked over to men where women are I don't, I don't know if you've heard of pink tax yes so yeah like women pay more for everything more, yeah women pay more yeah. I, I was in a shop the other day and I was buying socks for my darling husband and myself and my feet are really little and his are really big but his socks were so much cheaper than mine I was like how is this uh, how is this a thing yeah. um, we earn less earn less take more from yeah. us um, <laughs> so, really not fair no, that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and pay attention to things like that and call them out. Like, mm. go to the shop and be like, hello, do you know why this is? Send a message. It's the exact same bamboo sock. Mm. Just, you know, smaller, you know, less fabric. 
Maybe yeah. it doesn't have to be 40 rand more. Yeah. No, I think I think what, what I'm hearing you say as well is just, it, what it feels like is the the sort of, the band of experiences that we're allowed to have is super narrow. And and if we, if we I don't want to say succumb because that sounds too passive, but if we like buy into and perpetuate diet culture and this idea that there is one kind of beautiful body or one kind of acceptable body, then we are limiting ourselves and limiting our worlds. And Glennon Doyle recently did a podcast on on body image stuff, which was um, really good. And um, she was saying how she just feels such a sense of grief about the fact that imagine all of that time and energy that she could get back and all the creativity that she would have to spend on other more beautiful things in her life if she didn't spend so much time and energy agonizing about keeping her body small and tight and exercising and being acceptable according to some freaking random um, idea and image that is being perpetuated. So, yeah, I, I think it's about, I think women are reclaiming a lot. I think more than just women, like, you know, even younger generations now mm. and the fact that gender is so fluid and we're we're seeing such interesting conversations around gender. For me, it's just like people... I guess you could say woke people, but I don't think woke's even a term we're allowed to use anymore. But <laughs> but just people who are who are having their eyes open to how we've been fucked up by the system um, and by society and by particularly, I mean, materialism and consumerism. I mean, it's crazy, you know, that when to to be awakened to that really does actually allow you to expand and grow and open to so many more beautiful, amazing things. Like life becomes way more exciting and colorful when you stop participating in that narrow band of existence. It's so interesting. I think about all the hours I've spent weighing food to the gram and then logging it and finding it in an app and then calculating things. And I think I could have been a rocket scientist. I could have been a plastic surgeon. <laughs> I, could have, I could have gotten a whole nother degree with the amount of energy I put into it, uh, that particular thing, and the amount of hours of soul-destroying exercise I've done in, the li- in my life. I spent four years on a treadmill just running. I wasn't running anywhere, Cardi. Mm. I wasn't running anywhere. I was running towards a small, like, just trying to shrink myself. Mm. For fucking what? For fucking who? Mm. Um, in Naomi Wolf's uh, The Beauty Myth, she has this amazing quote. She says, A culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Mm. Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. And it, oh. that, that for me is powerful. <gasps> yeah, that's huge. Because it is. Like you think if you're hungry, you can't be focused. If you're hungry, you can't be strong. If you're small, you're, you know, it's, and, and, and obedience. I think that's such a key one. It's like, it's, it's, it's not even that we're doing this to be beautiful. We're doing this to be good. To be, yes. And then to be good, to be good for others. And there is such a moral tie to food. Oh my gosh, it's sinful that I ate that thing. Mm. I'm so bad for having, Mm. are we really, you didn't fucking kick a child. 
You you ate a cake. You didn't hurt a granny. You ate an ice cream. Like we have to have a bit more perspective. But what's weird is it feels like I've taken which pills the one neo takes, the red pill, blue, or whatever. I've taken the pill. My eyes are open, and I'm not going to force other people to take the pill. I'm just going to tell them the pill exists. But it's so interesting how many people are like, "Well, you didn't manage. You couldn't do it. You couldn't get to. You couldn't." be beautiful enough or thin enough or you couldn't do it. So like, good luck with that. That helped my sister. Like, thank, but I'm going to still, I'm going to stay in this world. Um, That's been hard to see so many people. And I'm like, and I tell, I tell everyone, I'm like, it's not going to work. Those injections, they're not going to work. I'm like, that diet is not going to work. And, and not because I don't think they can do it, but because the system is rigged to fail. Well, also because, you know, what I always said, you know, what I think is so fascinating is that people believe that it's if you reach a certain aesthetic, then it will all be okay, right? Oh, then, yes. then you're going to feel amazing. Yeah. But the truth is that some of the most insecure, fucked up people are externally as perfect as you get. I mean, you live in Hollywood. Like, tell mm. me about your experiences with that kind of thing. Like, that, that there are these externally perfected bodies and inside, as a human being, you can still feel terrible about yourself. You're no, you're no less a slave to the system just because you've perfected the, the obedience, right? I have a friend who is, is the model, is the, the boobs, the lips, the everything, all natural. And I'll be next to her in my undies, in the mora, and she'll go when she's getting ready as well. She'll go, I feel so fat today while she rubs her tummy over her ribs and concave stomach. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, that's bad. Like, is, is exactly. that what we get? Is, exactly. So you, you don't win. You don't, there's no winning here. You can do all those things. You can, you can perfect the external. You know, I mean, now with plastic surgery, you can do anything. Yeah. But... That's not necessarily going to free your mind. That's not going to necessarily make you feel better. No. That's not the answer. I mean, if it was, therapists wouldn't be needed, right? I mean, we would no. just go to plastic surgeons when we we're feeling shit about ourselves. Oh, so I, when I weighed my all-time low of forty-four kilos, I it was not enough. I was like, I can get to, I could get to forty. I'm sucking <laughs> my lips and pretending I'm a skeleton now. I'm emaciated. <laughs> Everyone hear it in my voice. I can get to forty. It was. It was never ending. It was yeah. relentless. And That's the it. happiness never came. Yeah. Like seeing the ribs in the mirror and like pushing my hip bones into the bar. Happiness didn't come. Yeah. Right. Because obedience doesn't equate to happiness. Like being good is not what makes our souls no. feel alive. No. Right. So, and I think that's such an important distinction. Thank you so much for that quote. I mean, mm. I definitely need to read that book, obviously. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But... That idea that, you know, because obedience, and it's something I, I, I talk about with my clients as well, this idea of being good and how toxic it is. You know, that because whether it's our parents that we're trying to be good mm. for, whether it's society, whether it's our partners, whether it's our employers, this, it is, it, it's actually, it's that, it's that desire to be obedient or that belief that by obedience we will be accepted. When in actual fact, I mean, what you said right at the beginning of the session where you said it's about finding my authentic self. Mm. Like, that is actually what liberates us. That is when we actually feel the happiest, the most in tune with ourselves and our souls um, is when we are just our 
own authentic selves. I've been also moving in authenticity towards a different way of celebrating myself as a woman is, you know, you have, this is what we get. You get a, a, a chicken party, hen party, what is that thing called? Your bachelorette, <laughs> um, which is celebrating you're going to get married. You're finally going to be someone's property, betrothed. Um, <laughs> then you get a, a baby shower. That's about your baby. That's about your vagina and your vulva. And like, that's another thing. And it's it's all around the ideas of what women should be in my head, the, all these the big celebrations. And now I'm like, I'm going to celebrate the friend who got out of a toxic relationship. I'm going to celebrate the friend who got a new degree, who uh, someone who had a period, my friend who lost her virginity. Like I'm going to just start celebrating things that are, are not society's cage celebrations. Um, that makes me feel bad. not good no but yes I love that being bad exactly I'm awful being bad if that's what being bad means yes exactly oh my goodness Mm -hmm. that being said I struggle so hard with people's perception and ideas of me right it is so difficult to I mean being in the public eye is is one thing but I'm sure everyone you know I have so much jealousy for people who don't give a fuck about what other people think. Mm. I have incredible amounts of jealousy. And I know they're triggering me because I am, I'm compliant. Mm. I'm compliant to society's, you know, needs to be liked and how a woman should be liked. Mm. Um, That being said, I do rustle a lot of feathers because I swear like a sailor. And I mean, I do it in some ways. And in some ways, I don't. So do you have like go-to mantras that you use in your head? Are there like significant, I don't know, like, do you go back to these pages and these books that you've read? Do you go back to particular um, Instagram accounts? So let's say there's a feeling of I'm falling off the wagon right now, or I go to a casting and someone comments on my weight and Mm. I have to come back home and just go like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? What do you say to yourself? What what are there like go-tos that you kind of give yourself like pep talks that you have with yourself around this stuff? I know you started talking about mm. it in terms of like the BMI and just mm. recognizing that there's like, it's bullshit. So now we know it's bullshit, but now we're still going to fall off the wagon. So what do we, how do we speak to ourselves about these moments where it does matter? Because it's okay that it matters, right? It's not, it's not absurd that it matters what people think about you. That's, we are social beings. We interdependent all the time with other human beings. So it matters, right? But how do we talk about us? Talk to ourselves about that. It's so interesting. No matter what, it, I've never questioned my intelligence, my talent. All I ever say in my head when I'm not booking a role is, is because I don't look like the Hollywood girls. Mm. Like that's the that's the that's what I've given myself. That's mm. my story, mm. and that's the, the 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 sword I go and fucking murder myself on all the time. And when I do feel like that. I what I like to move my body in ways that make my body feel sexy and sensual and loved and I, so I love dancing that that is really really incredible for me um whether it's alone in my house or on the beach or with friends I like to remind my body this amazing body that carries me around and keeps me healthy and touches the people I love and brings joy to other people that um, I live in it, and it's my space. I also like to sing mantras. Um, <laughs> I love that. In the mornings. Um, that always starts my day really, really well. Um, and 
I have a few friends who also have, they, they understand this. They've had their own story with it, with food stuff, and they understand. So I can always just give them a call and they don't need to tell me how to make it better. They don't need to tell me not to eat carbs. They don't need to tell me I've been bad. They just know. Yeah. They just know. Right. And that's what you were saying earlier about community as yeah. well. Yeah. I think that those are brilliant tips. I love all of that. I think it's so, so apt. Um, and I think that whole concept of like, you know, that maybe at times body positivity isn't possible, right? Like we can't always look at ourselves and go, oh, you're beautiful. Mm. You're amazing. I love it. But neutrality is a really interesting concept, right? Body neutrality. Because the way I see it is like, just focusing, well, at least I think this is what Jamila Jamil actually said in one of her podcasts. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's about focusing on function over form, yes. right? Like that. And so what you were talking about, like what your body does, how you use your body, how your body gets you places and connects you with people and makes you feel good and how that is so important that we can have a relationship with our body that is not about how it looks. Mm. And all we have to do, it's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> where you like having a negative thought and it's not about saying, no, bad negative thought, go, go, go. Because the more we push something, the, actually the more it resists and, and grows. So if, if I say to myself, um, you know, stop being, you know, st- stop being upset about your cellulite. Mm-mm. It's not going to make it go no. away. But if I start talking to myself instead about how awesome it was that I, that I, danced in my living room with my with my toddler and it was mm. and it was great and how cool is it that my body can move and then make these shapes and she's copying my body and wow it feels amazing you know I'm I'm replacing that negative thought with another more I guess neutral but also just different thought mm. a different kind of category of thoughts about what my body does rather than how it looks I saw some dude on TikTok said for 30 days if you just pay attention to the negative body that that conversation, if that is something you are struggling with, pay attention to the, the minute. It's so hard. So I think you have to literally like write a journal, be like, this is what I'm doing every day. Because the thoughts wash over me like, like a fucking tidal wave and then I'm mm. not conscious of it. But he said the minute you think of those bad thoughts, you replace it with a positive thought. But that's body positivity. Mm-hmm. That's I love, I may not love my tummy, but I love my wrists or whatever it is. Mm. So that's body positivity. But when it comes to body neutrality of just not having a negative feeling around your body, mm-hmm. that for me is a very interesting topic because I went into this journey with my body as body positivity, body positivity, body positivity. And some days I don't, I can't get to that stage. So I guess the stage you can perhaps get to or try to aim for on those days is the neutral, the I'm not going to berate you, I'm not going to abuse you, I'm not going to hurt you. Um, And I I actually, I have so much sadness for how much smack talk, you know that whole thing, Mm. would you say that to your best friend? Oh my God, I would never, ever, ever, Mm. I wouldn't talk to my worst enemy the Mm. way I talk to myself. I know. Um. So I think the neutrality is a very interesting point for people who may not be there or comfortable with with also what can feel like insincerity. Oh my gosh, I love this yes, about myself. I yes, love yes. that about myself. And how many times, I mean, positive affirmations, you can say them until you're blue in the face. It's not going to be true. Yeah. You know? 
But I just think, so what you said now about how, how much smack talk, you know, you used to do inside your own head. And like, I think that's such an important thing just to identify is how you talk to yourself inside of your head. Brene Brown says, talk to yourself like you would to someone you love, mm. you know, and oh, it's like such a simple mm, thing. Mm. But I also think one of the things to say to yourself, if you identify like, oh, oh, that's a really mean thing to say, is to also then, like what I like to do, sometimes I even use funny like examples in my therapy sessions with people where I'm like, try to assign that voice to yes. someone who Ooh. you hate, Ooh. who you will never respect, right? Like, so for example, when, when he was around more, we don't talk about him anymore, but when I used to say, like, imagine Trump saying that to you. <laughs> imagine <laughs> Trump saying those words to you. And then imagine your response to that, you know? It's like, because essentially what I feel is, is really important to identify here is those, like how bloody brilliant is the system of oppression that they don't even have to, the, the, our oppressor doesn't have to do anything. We're doing it to ourselves, mm. right? We are, we are bashing ourselves down mm. into the small, compliant, mm. you know. Hungry, unfocused. Right. Starved. Yeah, like easy to oppress. So like my like rework of that is like, oh, okay, you're oppressing yourself now? Okay, so like, like your your oppressor, whoever that may be, like if you're a person of color, like you can you can feel the rage, right, of being like as you said, a brown kid growing up in South Africa, and the taunting and the subtle suggestions that you're not good enough, that you don't fit in. Um, you know, I really do think that it's important for us to feel that rage, to go to go to that place of like, I will not fucking let you talk to me like that, you know, because. Like, that's how I feel if I think about Trump saying that to me, you know? <laughs> it's like, you will not. Yeah, say like, that to me. That's, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, name the person and be like, fuck you, Chad, or whatever <laughs> it is. But I, I never do that. And I think I will give it a try. I go through, I mean, I think everyone does, uh, serious patches and phases and days and hours of incredible consciousness and ability to grab the thoughts that are negative that come into your head and to control themselves. And then there's just like, some other days yeah. where, it's, where it's on on very unconscious um, mm. automation. A hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah, man. It's tough. Um, but I feel very inspired by this conversation. I have to say, I feel like you have given me some new little nuggets to hold on to because it is a journey. It's a journey for all of us. Um, I had um, Julia from Suzelle DIY on oh, the podcast. Oh, lovely. wonderful. Yeah. And she, we talked about body image in terms of motherhood as well. Yes. And how it's like, that's a whole other oh. thing. Um, I don't know if you follow the bird's papaya. Do you I know see her? you post, um, repost okay. uh, quite a bit. Yeah. But I've seen, yes, yes, she, ah, yes, on your Instagram. Yeah, so she she's like um, quite like leading the way in terms of trying to like bring back the, just making postpartum bodies acceptable. Because when you're pregnant, you stretch, you got this baby in you and everyone's like, oh, you're so beautiful, you're glowing, it's amazing, you're carrying you the vessel of this life, you know. And then the baby comes out and you're this empty, empty vessel, mm. you know, with this loose skin and stretch marks. And, it's, and, and people have such dysphoric experiences with their bodies. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a big thing that I'm very aware of. So, um, so then to just to like normalize that. So she posts pictures all the time know, of this belly, you know, and these but this body and this these cur these curves and and 
It's amazing how many people still would like troll oh, her and just be just vitriol. Yes. And, oh. and all she's doing is just being herself and yes. saying, hey, guess what? Imagine if what... we liked, if we just like found this acceptable. Imagine if we just liked ourselves despite this, you know? And yo, it's so, it's such a huge thing. I mean, I think there's a, obviously a growing um, narrative discourse, a growing discourse around body positivity, body neutrality, accepting all, all bodies. Um, but it does feel a little bit like, I guess it, felt, it feels like anything around activism. It's like you've got to fight all the time. All it's the, hard oh, work. Yes. It's a oh, constant yes. battle. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So I, I, that is, so I post, when I think of it, I posted something about uh, positive sex affirmations the other day. And it's so interesting to see the the engagement from the candy posts to the to the real posts, but it is it is exhausting in my opinion to not all the time, but I would I do want to post more about the stuff I do. I one hundred percent do, but it takes so much out of me because I have to sit down and think very clearly about how I want to frame it. Uh, which message I want because there's so many things there's so many things I want to say and just you know sometimes you just want to post a picture and I need to kind of work through the how do you balance the activism and how much of it is getting out there is it worth the time and effort and I think it is it's just it is just hard to do the work um it is. And you don't have to have an Instagram following to be an activist. No. You can literally be a person who just starts identifying when you see a baby girl, do you say, oh, she's so pretty, mm. right? Oh, oh my and gosh. And just identify, oh, oh, oh. Is, there, is there another option there? Like, is there another way we can start speaking to little girls um, or to any little babies that just try to get us away from boy equals strong, girl equals pretty. Oh, and, and, you know, we didn't even mention... We, I mean, we didn't mention how it affects men, and, and it, it does. I mean, no, there is massively. there is a diet culture for men as well. Hugely, men's health bodies. Yeah, large, we're not going to go into that. But also, just understand that gender is fluid, and there is also a problem with how we part of the binary fuck up yes. is that we then do this thing where yes. there's this binary with in terms of how we um, ascribe meaning and value to different bodies according to what sex sex organs they have, you know, which is completely crazy. Um, and the need to... And destructive. ...smash people into one box or the other. Right. That blows my mind. Um, right. But the experience... Yes, the experiences from two women today. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also we're running out of time and, yeah, we just no, didn't, didn't get there. Attention. So, um, I think... We probably could carry on talking for a really long time. Yes, indeed. And this has been super fun. Aww, thank you so yay. much for being on Aww, here. Thank you. Talking about these things. You can follow Zach on her um, Instagram. It's Zakia Patel, mm. right? That's all, right? At Zakia yeah. Patel. What are, your, what are your handles on like TikTok and... At Zakia. Everything's at Zakia Patel. I could, everyone else got Zakia. Who's this at Zakia? And how come Forget there's her. no more other Zakia Patels? Oh, there are. There are lots of my fake accounts. Oh, because my granny spelt my name when I was born and it's not the common spelling of oh, my name. Amazing. My name is Z-A-K-I-A is the, I think the most common spelling. Ah. So I have a very uncommon spelling. But someone keeps getting to all the accounts before I do. Um, <laughs> there is a, like an ad here on everything. And I'm like, who are you? Give me my handles. Um, anyway, ad <laughs> Patel um, on everything. And definitely try, you know, if you are on a buzzy, buzzy buzzard of, 
body positivity <laughs> or body neutrality journey of self-discovery and celebration, uh, 100% look into Jamila Jamil's podcast, I Weigh. Um, it's so accessible. And it's this is not an exclusive uh, movement or feeling. I don't, I don't want to call it a movement. It is a... I think it's just a way of life and sometimes it'll be you'll be good at it and sometimes or good at it. <laughs> sometimes you will succeed at feeling comfortable in the body that you have and sometimes you won't but it's a journey. Right. And I also just wanted to say that in our discussions if we have been sort of in the binary of in yes, you know yes. talking from female perspectives or whatever that's because we are female yes, and yes, that's yes. our our worldview or how we perceive the world. But we know that actually everyone is affected by this. And so, yes. we, you know, if we do continue this conversation <laughs> online, let's be open to all experiences. Like yes. everybody has body hair. Everybody, yes. has, everybody has something that, that their body, you know, is either too big or too small or too hard or too soft. And Bum's not big enough. Yeah. So, Nipples are brown. And, <laughs> and, and probably we could locate some version of white supremacy um, you know, body shaming in all of that. You know yes, that there's yes, there's, yes, a, yes. there's a system here, and we need to work, and that's and that's affecting all of us, no matter how we identify. Okay, so thank you. Pleasure. This has been amazing. Yay! This podcast is recorded at Edible Audio in Cape Town, South Africa. Edited by Edible Audio. Original music by Alex Smiley. 